Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Northcott Theatre in Exeter. Please welcome a man who, for the first time in his life, is glad he's not on Channel 4 tonight. I don't want to be on the telly. It's Richard Herring. Hooray, that won't make any sense when it goes out. Luckily. Oh, lovely to be here, Exeter. Lovely to be back. Thank you for coming along, everyone. Welcome... Uh, to the... Oh, shit. <laughs> These are always breaking, but never never quite at that moment. I, I'm blind. I'm effectively blind. We're going... So I can fix them in a sec. Uh, for those of you at home, my glasses just fell off in an amusing fashion. Almost like I planned it for a slapstick jape at the start. Am I that clever? No, I'm not. Welcome to Richard Herring. Let's set fire to talky podcast. That's... <laughs> Uh, I was hanging around in Gandhi Street uh, today. The manager, Azizi, said the street is inspired Harry Potter's Diagon Alley. And I said, I don't remember seeing Azizi's in that. <laughs> and he said, it was, he said, it's there, you can't really see it. And then I looked out and there is a big joke shop with the Weasley twins on it. So yeah, it must have been. 
Anyway, the manager of ZZ's in Gandhi Street calls it Rahalastapas. I don't know if that's going to... If that's going to catch on, should I try and mend my glasses? It doesn't really matter. Um, oh, God. I'm gonna, look, this is, I'll tell you what, I've done four weeks' work in two days, and it's, it's too much. I got, in my, I got in my car and drove up, and all my programmes fell out on the, on the floor, and a young student helped me pick them all up again. It's been terrible, so it's, gonna be, it's just going to be slapstick all the way. There are free programmes in the foyer, though. That's a nice... Uh, uh, they've been on the floor. <laughs> look, I'm tripping over my shoelace. I'm doing a whole fucking bit here. I'm turning to Mr. Fucking Bean. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want that to happen. Oh, look, what I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, Exeter's been in the BBC, on the BBC News site. Big news in Exeter. Must be very excited. Uh, BBC News, England, local news, regions, Devon. <laughs> Underused bins in Exeter to be removed. That is the, uh, that's the big news here. Sorry, I mean... I hope I can cheer you up on this after this dreadful news has come through. Ten hours ago, you've had ten hours to try and acclimatise yourself to that. Rubbish bins in public places in Exeter that are rarely used are to be removed, the city council says. Officials said many were underused as they were in the wrong location or too close to other bins. I mean, that's, that's sort of their job, isn't it? To make sure that... Should we put this bin by that other bin? Yeah, good idea. I can't see a problem with that. Should we put this bin... Over here, on the top of a, a telephone box. Yeah, I'll give it a go. See what happens. <laughs> the total number of bins affected of the hundreds of bins scattered around the city has not been announced. That is, that's the big news. That's the big news in Exeter. Uh, so very exciting. Uh, my thoughts and prayers go with you. At this difficult time, I'm going to give you one Exeter fact. I've been looking up Exeter facts. Uh, some of them might be the same as last time I was here. I don't think I did this one. This is number nine on ten things you should know about Exeter. Uh, if you go out in Exeter, you are like to be caught on camera 300 times a day. No explanation for that. that is, uh, that's, I think there's just a lot of perverts. Especially if you go in the to- public toilets in Gandhi Street. Where the manager sees these. Oh, I better not say that. You could probably sue me. Um, look, at, look at this. Tricking over. I'm literally, I'm like a slapstick. This may be in honour of my guest, who's a fantastic, uh, fantastic physical comedian as well as a brilliant actor. Uh, let's bring him on, because we haven't got all day. Uh, he's probably best known for playing Kevin in Still Open All Hours. That's why, that's why we're here tonight. Remember Kevin and his catchphrase? We'll find out what it was in a minute. Will you please welcome the incredible Spencer Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Spencer Jones. I'm going to sit down. Oh. I'm going to sit down where I can do no more harm. Wow. Hey, man, looking good. <laughs> looking good. Welcome. Yes, have some, have some water. I should tonight. I'll, I'll, I'll do it because I'm being so slapstick tonight. Yeah, that's what going to happen. Well, oh, see, sometimes uh. the expected is funnier than the unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> Other people really like that. But it didn't <laughs> go wrong. Yeah, it didn't go wrong for yeah. once. Uh, do you remember playing uh, Kevin in Still Open All Hours? I did. Yeah. I, I do remember it. What was um, his catchphrase? What was it? Hello? It was something like, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, no, I remember it, it was weird because like, when you turn up on something like that, yeah. it's, you know, it, all you've got in your head is when you meet David Jason is this. Well, I do anyway. It's Del Boy, 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 it's Del Boy. Panic, panic, panic. Um, and, um, and so as a result, I thought, I'm, I'm not going to... Um, 
I'm not going to be over the top and be all bravado. I'm just going to do the proper acting job. Yeah. And I don't. I think I should have been a bit more over the top. Yeah. I don't think he was um, particularly no, thought he was that great. He wanted you to suck up to him. Do you think? I think. Late. I think I probably sucked up too late. Yeah. As I was leaving, <laughs> you had been you know falling through a bar. You know he'd love that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 let's do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Next, this time next year we millionaires. Say that yeah, to me. Yeah. I'd love it. I wish I had. Yeah. A, a different version of me would. <laughs> I was talking to Matt Green last week. Last night. Oh, what? It was last night's audience. Um, uh, and he was in an advert with Harvey Keitel. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, had to sit in a car with Harvey Keitel for six hours. And after the first take, he sort of looked... I mean, if you're at home, you'll have listened to this, but I'm telling the people in Exeter who might not have listened to the podcast yet because it's not out. Uh, he turned to Harvey Keitel and said, so how are you enjoying London? And Harvey Keitel said, no, we're not doing that. And then, oh. <laughs> then they sat in silence for six wow. hours when they weren't there in a car. Imagine that. So knows what he wants. It, it no, not that. No. <laughs> My God. So, you know, they're not all nice, are they, these people? They're not all, they're not, they're not all people pleasers, but uh, good to see that uh, Del Boy's all right. <laughs> I was a bit worried about him today, I have to say. So uh, is, um, I was a bit worried about him today. Uh, look, but I, we, we met up uh, quite recently just by chance in yeah. Wells at a beautiful uh, Wells Comedy Festival yes. and we're both doing shows and it was a really lovely atmosphere, wasn't it? We had a nice chat yeah, backstage. It was really nice to see you again. Um, and I was, I was saying how much I'd suddenly seen you. I mean, you've been acting the whole time, right? You've been acting as open all hours, still open yeah, all hours. Yeah, so. yeah. But you've, you've had a few big acting jobs recently that I'm going to kick off talking about okay. those. So uh, I, well, first of all, you were very, I don't know if you watched Ted Lasso, but uh, very funny character in Ted Lasso, because that became a bigger part than was intended, It did, yeah. I I was originally meant to be in one scene, and I got, usually, if you get, like, a part, but when you're prepping for it, I kind of really go for it and really sort of look into it and obviously learn the lines and all that kind of stuff. But on the Friday, they said, yeah, we got this um, something, and I'd not seen Ted Lasso. They said, we've got this, uh, it's um, called Dead Lasso, it's, you know, Ermi. Oh, okay, we'll send you the script. And you've got to, it's got to be in on Monday at two. Right. Monday comes around, the weekend. Like, Monday comes around and I get a call. Have you, have, you done, have you done the tape yet? I went, no, you've not sent me the script. And I have. And then you've got this sort of, like, 40-minute window. Right. Where you kind of have to do a tape, because otherwise this casting director might never get you in for anything again. <laughs> right. But also, the, real, the realisation is there's no prep. Yeah. You've, got, like, you've got no time, so it's the worst prepped I have ever been. <laughs> I stuck the words on the window, set the, the, um, the iPad up, didn't have anyone reading the other lines, and just did an impression of my mate's uncle. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then I, and they're like, um, good news, you've got the job. I went, what, that football thing? <laughs> and, then, oh, and I didn't realise, it's awful, isn't it? But then I got there, and obviously, and obviously I watched the series once I got the part, and it was wicked, and I did this, this character, and... Um, and then, uh, and then they said, we think we want you back in. And I was, well, I'm always skint, but, I, you know, <laughs> it was ideal. <laughs> yeah. And I did five apps in the end. Yeah, it was, well, it was a re- you know, I really thought you were great. And you're playing like, the restaurant manager of uh, yeah. Nick Mohammed's character's favourite restaurant. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's it's, it's, it's a big character, and he's very excited to see Nick Mohammed, who's now the manager of West Ham. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you, you were so good, and I'm not surprised. So they, they, it's, it's amazing that a series that big... That they can go, well, let's just do some more of this character. Yeah, You'd yeah. think it would all be written and everything would be, you know, oh, sorry, that's it. But like for them to go, oh, well, let's write him some I, more I, scenes. I reckon when you've got something as big as that with a cast like that, I was kind of thinking about that, that fluidity. Yeah. Even on set, in the moment, there's lots of fluidity. But yeah. if you think about it, they were probably still writing 
and you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, I could turn up and be absolute pony on the yeah. day. You yeah. never know. <laughs> so if someone turns up and they're okay and they're sort of pushing the story forward and they're useful, then you kind of go, oh, we can use them again. But yeah. th- I could have easily just been, you know, it not happened and he ended up having his scenes outside by a stool or something. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I also saw it now. I was excited about this and you didn't think I would have seen this show. But I'm a big fan of Death in Paradise. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I've watched every single episode of Death. When I say I've watched it, it's been on while yeah. I've been doing other stuff. Because <laughs> the thing about Death in Paradise, you, don't have, you only have to watch one and then you've seen all of them. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and, and, but I find it very... I like it. I'd love to be in it. I'd mm-hmm. love to go to uh, the Caribbean to film it. Mm. Now, you got a part in uh, not Death in Paradise... <laughs> In Paradise Regained or something, what's it called? <laughs> oh, that's that's the uh, that's the Paradise Lost follow-up by uh, by uh, John Milton. It probably wasn't that. Uh, Beyond Paradise. Beyond Paradise. I would like to see them doing Paradise Regained. Now, if, now I've said it. <laughs> just suddenly they go. <laughs> the detective from uh, Death in Paradise dies and goes to hell, and uh, and watched. Satan. Yeah, and then he has to find his way out of hell. It would be a change of tone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, uh, Beyond Paradise is set in the West Country where you live. Yes. Not quite as exciting, is it? As going it wasn't, to... but it was still nice. It I was, do it like it good. down here. And it, is, it was down in Cornwall. And it yeah. was right outside. We were filming right outside my old English teacher's house. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so I knocked on this door and yeah, said hello. Yeah. Um, it was nice. I liked it. Um, I'm from down there, so, so the accent wasn't a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. It was just a really nice thing to do. Like, slowly coming out of lockdown, being in Devon, not knowing if you've made the right choice, because I've been in London for, uh, since I was 19. Yeah. And, and, then, and then I moved back to <laughs> Torquay. <laughs> I used to live in Plymouth, and I moved to Tor- near to Torquay. I've got this nice house in Torquay. And it was such a lovely feeling for them to go, oh, no, you can get an acting job here. And, yeah. And, and it was literally 40 minutes to get there. Yeah. I, they said, do you want to stay in a hotel? I went, nah, I'll, I'll go home. <laughs> it was a lovely feeling. And it felt like at the start of this scary thing of moving to Devon, you know, away from London, that yeah. it might work. And what was, uh, what was the thinking? I mean, I, you know, I love Devon, obviously. Yeah. And uh, Somerset's better. Uh, but, Money, though, uh, isn't it? <laughs> but, um, but that's where I grew up in Somerset. And oh, yeah. uh, so it's... Um, but, you know, a lot of actors wouldn't... I mean, there, there are a few, a few actors who do live down here. Mm. I'd say they're a lot more successful than you, though, and yeah. can, and can, yeah. uh, can, af- can afford to have a helicopter to take them to London yeah. and afford to have a flight in London. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so what, what was the impetus between, for, for coming back here? I'm still trying to work that out, mate, yeah. if I'm honest. <laughs> I, I, uh, I suppose, seriously, we've been in lockdown for a while, and we wanted... To, I, I used to live in Plymouth. The missus used to live in... Um, in, in Wiltshire, so she's kind of a country lady. Yeah. And we were living in London. It was, you know, it was a, a naughty bit of London. Uh, the, it was a cheap part of London. Yeah. That's how we managed to live there. And, um, and I love naughty people. I'm, I'm a bit naughty myself. <laughs> and I was looking at my kids, and they're going to be even naughtier. And I thought, you know, I thought, you know, let's get them out of London for a bit. Not that I hate, don't like London, but let's get them out. And they've got cousins down there. I didn't have cousins growing up, so self-tapes... The yeah. Cousins, let's try somewhere out of London. Um, and I was looking everywhere, if I'm honest. I was looking Wiltshire, Somerset, Devon, not as far as Cornwall because it just felt too far. Yeah, and then I eventually, agree, I, it is too far. Yeah. I won't yeah. go there. No. <laughs> 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 um, um, and we just thought, we sort of found this house and we went, let's give it a go. So I don't know if I've done the right thing. I genuinely don't. Okay. I mean, the missus are still like, what the f- <laughs> 
you know, how have we done? Because as, <clears throat> as soon as I moved to London, as soon as I moved to Devon, uh, I got a job up in London and was and was living like Alan Partridge in a travel lodge for six months. <laughs> so I didn't get to do that thing where you kind of, um, you know, like get to sort of meet kids' friends and their dads and yeah. their mums and stuff. So now I'm kind of just this odd man in the playground. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Can you be my friend? <laughs> and <I'm> like, no! <laughs> you see this, you're like, no, let's leave that, thank you. But it's a nice, th- it's a nice thing to do, and it is a nice... You know, it, we moved out of London to Hertfordshire, which is only like an hour's drive away from London, so yeah. we're still... It's a, but even we're thinking, is this, was this a mistake? Should we have stayed in London? But I think for us it was a... A good move. And I can really, you know, when I go back to Cheddar, I often, I always go to my wife, oh, look, we could buy that house, we could buy that house. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they're significantly cheaper than Hertfordshire as well. So it's, yeah. you know, it, you're sort of tempted. But, yeah, it is, I think, like, just for, because, you know, obviously you're a, you do your sh- live shows and you're yeah. still a stand-up and, and, and do your uh, fantastic Edinburgh shows and, and tour those. It's when you're touring as well, you know, because you can't get back from as many gigs. Yeah, I, I reckon the sweet spots. But what do you reckon, Birmingham yeah, I mean, or Bristol? I think Birmingham would be a pretty for, good for place for moving around. Okay, where did um, was it? Where was it that um, Russell Howard used to live? Is it called Leamington? Is it Leamington Spa up there? Or is that somewhere else? I'm not very good on geography, but he, he lived in a nice place that wasn't Birmingham. I mean, I've just been to Birmingham. I pretended it was nice while I was there. <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, you're right in the centre. You can, so the, the thing about the, the joke I made in Birmingham was that you can get to 90%. I think it's like 95% of the UK you can get to in four hours if you drive out of Birmingham. And you can be out of Birmingham if you drive for an hour. So that's even better. Yeah. Uh, and you, and you're one to, you're, you want to be there. So, yeah, so I think that is... But, you know, that you can't really... I mean, I love the West Country. I really do love the West Country. Having grown up here and I love... And it still feels like... You know, like it still feels genuine and real. Like so, a lot of places in the UK don't feel like yeah. homogenised. Yeah. I expect the further you get southwest, I have to say, and uh, even more so in Cornwall. But you know, you have to face the whole scone issue if you're gonna scone. Yeah, yeah, you have to the other way. It's the other way up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jam first. That's what you reckon. Uh, well, that's what they like, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You, you say jam first. They're, they're cream first here. Cream first, yeah, because I like to see the red of, or the darkness of the jam sitting on top of the cream, right? Yeah. That's a, but it's a visual thing. It's a picture. I go, of... And also cream's like butter. And you, and you put butter yeah, there's on. that as well, yeah. yeah the Cornish yeah, are idiots. <laughs> yeah, those guys. Inbred idiots. Unlike <laughs> the rest of us West Country guys. It's, us, it's them giving us a bat. Has anyone come in from Cornwall for this gig? Yeah. <laughs> A bottle gets thrown. <laughs> a scone gets thrown. Ah, oh. it's all right. There's jam on. Oh no, it's the other way. <laughs> the cream's on top. It's the perfect custard pie. Uh, well, look, I think it's nice. And, and, and would you recommend Devon uh, to the outside world? Uh, 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 it's got look. There's bits like London, like Somerset, like Cornwall. I bet there's good bits and bad bits. Yep. I would recommend it. But I'm st- still genuinely not sure I've made the right choice. <laughs> my, my my weekends. This is how lonely I am. My weekends are Tuesdays from six till seven, and that's when I'm watching my kid right. um, practice football like that, and I'm just staring. And then you know, someone will maybe say they're having a bad tea tonight, you know? <laughs> and that's a big night for me. Yeah, um, I, I, I love. I tell you, what I do love. I love that I've bought a surfboard that I've not used yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, I bought two paddle boards. I'm not both for me, but you know. But we've been out on them a bit. Um, I love it. I love. It. I love. It. I tell you what I love is is when there's a hot day and no one no one's expecting it and, and all the kids are at school. 
<laughs> and most people, and you can go, I'm going to go to the beach. Yeah. And you could be, I can be at the beach in six minutes if I drive like a prick. <laughs> It's nice, and it's a nice, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a nicer pace of living, I think, as well. You know, I think when, yeah. when you go, having lived outside of London for it, when you go back, you really notice how much it fucking stinks, mm. how busy it mm. is. You know, it was, it's, it's kind of horrible. You know, yeah. I lived there, I lived there for, for thirty years, I think. So you know, it, yeah, it, years. we were different people. You and yeah. I, I don't know if you were like this, but as soon as I'd moved out, two two weeks after I'd moved out, whatever it was in my head, I'd managed to make moving around in London. Bearable. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. I went yeah. back, I was like, this is freaking awful. <laughs> and I do love London, but just like being on trains and that sort of speediness yeah. and stuff. I, li- I like it down in, in, in Devon for the, um, the honesty. Uh, <laughs> like, you get a lot of, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> when you're doing something. Um, and um, I, I like that the kids, it feels like the kids have got a little bit of innocence for a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we get down here, and as soon as we get down here, my kids bought himself a PlayStation and he's now, you know, talking to his London friends <laughs> on, the, on his PlayStation while he's playing. I do like it. Um, yeah. We'll see. We'll see how we go. We'll and the other thing is the kids who obviously spent five years in, uh, ten years in, um, in, in, in South East London, the word what now has got four syllables. Mm-mm. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. And I pull them up on it. My dad, when he used to visit, used to pull me up on my West Country accent when I had one. Well, I've got one still, but... Um, and he'd take the piss out. I mean, I'd never have the balls to have a go back at him because he was a bit scary and he was an undercover copper and all that. But my kid, my little 10-year-old, went, Dad, I live here now, so you can do one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah... And I, so I love that. He, yeah, he's sticking yeah. up for himself. They'll be great. They'll be grand. They will. They will be fine. It will be. It'll be. Nice. And you always go back if you don't like it. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, fuck those talky cunts. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, I was going to say, do they? Do you get recognised in Torquay by about being the you know the guy from these TV shows? Do they? Are they a bit freaked out? That no, I get recognised very rarely. Yeah. Uh, Geezer in Sports Direct, Andy Jones, if you're listening, I'll be in. When you know um, the names of the people who recognise well, you, that is yeah. a, that's a sign of the, that's a sign of the <laughs> level of your fame. I know the name of every single person who likes me. There's five of them. One I don't know his surname. I've got, I've got to find oh, out his surname. Oh, God. Do you know what was? He's, he's, he's come up to me twice, once in his place of work, yeah. and I was like, Ideal, I'm going to get some discounts here when I come <laughs> in again. And then he came up to me again in a supermarket. And it, he went, all right. I went, all right, mate. I don't know where I know him from. I don't know where I know him from. <laughs> but I said, I'm going to come in. So, yeah, um, I don't re- recognise much, a little bit. But yeah. it, it's nice when the kids see it, you know. Um, but then they're kind of like a bit bored after people want to talk for a bit. But <laughs> not much. It's not as much as you think. Um, no. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Do you get do you get people? I mean, again, up? not very. It's sort of not. If it's nice, it's nice, yeah. Because it's a few people every now and again. Yeah. My daughter, who's eight, is sort of desperate to. She sometimes crashes my streams that I do, like with puppet shows, and she is funnier than me. Yeah, they are. <laughs> uh, and she's but she's sort of desperate, and I got recognised at a train station by two guys who recognised me from either you know stand up or from this. Yeah. Uh, and then she sided up to them and she said. I'm the Victorian ghost child. And they, they, they had no idea what the fuck was going on. And they wanted a photo with me, and then they said, um, and we could get a photo with you. And then they went, oh, no, we can't, that would be weird. <laughs> so, yeah, so she's, she's, you know, she's just getting into that idea. So when I get recognised, which isn't very much. Yeah. But it's lovely, you know, it's a lovely level of 
fame to be at that the that most people have no fucking clue who you are. Yeah. And the people who do know you are like you and just go, well, I'm... Yeah, like, nice one. I was yeah. in Cent- we were in Centre Parks and you're like, you know, if, you, if I was uh, Ricky Gervais... As, as you have been, uh, then, you know, I, you wouldn't be able to go to, to Centre Park, partly because he hasn't got any kids and it would be no. weird. Uh, <laughs> but I could go there. And actually, people... And also, people who like me, look at them, they're nice people. And, like, yeah. a couple of guys would tweet me and go, I saw you in the swimming pool at Centre Park, but I didn't <laughs> want to say anything. I thought it would be a weird oh, time to talk to you. Yeah, that's so, nice. you know, so it's like... They, I got completely left alone. So I was going to my kids, yeah, they all recognise me, but they're yeah, just... They're, yeah. being, they're very cool. Yeah, yeah. They're being very cool about... Um, but you know that's not so you can live your life and you know and also uh, you need people to recognise you a bit to come and see your shows. Yeah. But let's let's talk about um, we were talking about your dad and let's talk a bit about your pre-comedy times because I, I didn't know so much about uh, you know how you got into comedy but also the stuff you did uh, beforehand. Mm. Um, and yeah, I found out today you were in a, a dub, you did a double act for three performances three when, you were, when you were seventeen. When I was seventeen. Uh, what yeah. were they called? Tell us what they were called. The double, it was me and um, a lad called Shane Marks, yeah. and we called ourselves Marks and Spencer. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I mean, I thought you'd, you know, I thought you just thought, oh, let's, let's make this up, but that actually was. So true, it is yeah. good. Yeah. So we were quite, it was when Vic and Bob were, you know, like, Almost, almost like my football team. You yes. know, like it was like that kind of like, this is amazing. <laughs> and we kind of did this sort of like pastiches of their Nick bits and kind of there was an old ad- advert on the telly that we used to take the mick out of. And uh, and we did one gig, it was brilliant. And I was like, this is brilliant. And um, I, I genuinely <laughs> lost my virginity after the first gig. Right. And I was the last one of all of the boys. Was, so it, it was, was it with marks or was it? <laughs> yeah, the gig went very well. That's certainly yeah. what happened with me and Stu. <laughs> um, and then we did another gig, and I dealt with a heckler, and I was like, I'm, I'm on fire here, 17 years old. Yeah. And then the third gig, we got asked to do the sixth form party. Um, and so I was like, by this point, I was literally the most confident 17 <laughs> year old in the world. I said, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. And we get to this party. It's all of my friends there. And they've all snuck vodka in and stuff. And they're all, you know, people are trying to dance and get off with each other or whatever it was. And I walk in with, a, you know, a suitcase with the words M&S written on the side. <laughs> Go up to the DJ. Uh, yeah, stop the record. Uh, we're going to do some comedy now. Six o'clock. Yeah, comedy on now. He went, you sure? I went, yeah, 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 absolutely. And we did this routine, and I have never died on my ass so hard in my life since. <laughs> 40, 40, usually at a gig, you might get somebody going, you're a twat, shut up, or whatever. But this was 40 of my mates, and they were just, they were just, they hated me. Right. Because I'd ruined their night, and then I didn't yeah. do comedy then for uh, six years. Wow. It, yeah, it messed me up. It was really bad. <laughs> I mean, it's, if you're not ready to take that beat, I mean, that happens a lot, and I think it must happen the other way around a lot. Where people do one gig and it's yeah. terrible, and then they never come back again. And yeah. You must lose lots of. You'll lose a lot of bad comedians, but you'll also lose a lot of potentially good comedians. Yeah. There's, you're gonna fail a few times in the first yeah. two thousand shows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, it's good, it takes a long time to get there. So it's sort of interesting that, yeah. and, and and you know, that's the thing you learn, isn't it? As you do comedy, you don't want to be on really with a band. You don't want to be on like if people are After dancing, you don't want to. Yeah. You don't want to change the mood that yeah. much. Because people aren't going to want it. And you get those messages from people. Can you come and do my um, 40th? Yeah. You're like, oh, I don't know. That's going to work, really. As far as 40 of us in a house, it'll be all right. You're like, I don't know. That's going to be a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so yeah, so I didn't do it for a while, and then and then I and then I got cajoled into doing having a go at stand up, straight stand up. Yeah, um, which I was bad at, but um, but I did it a bit, did it yeah. a bit, and and uh, and I was working. It was in London by this point, and so you're kind of doing it a little bit, not not like I should should have. I sort of floated around. Um, and then started working in production, you know, making... Um, you remember, the, like, there used to be adverts on TV to sell records, like, out now at our price, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. I used to make those. I, that was my, I was a producer. I ended up okay. being a producer of doing, doing that. So you ca- I was kind of always doing bits and pieces, you know. And I, at the same time, I was still playing in a junk band, uh, like a gas pipe shop in Charlie's Kitchen Sinks band that my oh, right. en- English teacher had, helped st- had started, and I joined. Uh, and that was still happening, and I was in a wedding band at the same time, I was DJing. I was even doing a bit of bouncing as well. <laughs> yeah, not I wasn't the muscle, but I could. But I'm quite good at recognising and spotting a, a, a wrongen because <laughs> <laughs> I'm naturally attracted to them. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I, I did. I did that, and you it's just nicking a living. You know what I mean? Just like, yeah. do, and, and as well as that, I was running. Being a bit, I was a runner, so before all the being a producer. So yeah, as soon as I moved to London, I, I kind of went up with a. I, th- I think I had about six hundred quid. In my pocket that I got from being naughty, <laughs> and and I, and I spent it in two weeks, and then I got a job at a pub, and um, yeah. and then kind of got into pubs, and then kept coming back to kind of performing and trying, always trying to do it. Yeah, because this the stuff you do is, I mean, I love it, and if people have seen it, it has it's been you do it live shows, it's been on TV, you've done the Herbert Clunkadunk shows on yeah. TV, uh, it's so imaginative and different than most people would be doing. And it's hard to imagine you doing, like, straight stand-up. Yeah. Um, but also, it's really hard to imagine how you got to the point where you thought, I'm going to give this a go and yeah. see how this goes. Because it is, that's a big leap to kind of go, I'm going to try and do something really different. Than, yeah. than, especially when you're doing clubs, right? Which you must have done to begin with. If, yeah, if, exactly. If, you're, if you're, everyone else is doing stand-up about their girlfriends or their boyfriends or whatever. Yeah. Cats and dogs. Yeah. Then I got off the bus, uh, and uh, and you know you're you're coming on dressed in tights. Yeah, it wasn't a smooth transition. No, I'm guessing not. No, it was. Um, we, I, you know, it's like up in London. I think there's kind of like two scenes, comedy scenes. There's kind of like the the club comedians, the big clubs, the amazing those kind of places, and then there's these kind of smaller places where people can try out weird stuff, like more sort of like I call it the groovy gang because they're just a bit. Wee, let's yeah, do like this, yeah. you know. And so it started out, I went and did a clown course and then I worked out, um, you know, not like a ha-ha, <laughs> that. You know, but I, I did a clown course and it was for, just for a week and I'd never trained, I've never, I didn't go to university, I never, uh, I haven't got any training, but I went and, I, and there was some things in that, some real sort of nuggets of like, that, that I took with me. But then literally the first gig, which was so bad because I walked on I went, I've, but what, what I've got this theory is, book of the gig and then you create the problem and then you've got to solve the problem by doing the gig yeah so don't oh i'm going to get some material together and i'm ready i'll book the gig because you'll never book the gig you'll never do it so book the gig ah, and then it comes and then on the day of the gig oh god um i bought this off the internet i'll take this with me uh, oh it was funny when i was shouting into a pint glass the other day and making it quieter <laughs> past five minutes isn't it <laughs> and so those gigs were like that that first gig i came on i think on the first one i came on as me and then said i did a bit of whatever and then i'd like to introduce someone now ran off stage put some tights on came on and it died on my ass <laughs> then the next one i kind of sh- I just went on as him and then it just started to work a little bit you yeah. know I, it, I just got I, I found that i was 
before I did the clown course, I knew that I was pretty average, but just an average bloke. I wasn't ever going to... Um, an average comedian, sorry, and I wasn't ever going to do anything ever the way I was going. I, I knew I needed to shake it up. Yeah. And I think Kearns had just gone and done a clown course with the same bloke. Right. And he'd had it, John Kearns, a brilliant, you know, yeah. brilliant comedian. Um, Friend and, of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, he, and, and, and I'd seen some success that he'd done and he'd added stuff to his thing, not that he's a clown. And, uh, and, and I, it was enough for me. And I, I suddenly found myself energised to kind of go... I kept thinking about it. I'd walk, sit in the garden, having a fag, thinking about it. And I found myself going, this is for me. I like this. So that was enough. And once I started watching the tapes back and knew that I was being funny and it was getting bigger laughs than anything else that I'd done, that was enough for me. And yeah. then it was just about... Then it's that, as you know, it's about the slow progression of things. Things yeah. slowly creep up. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, people people email you and want advice on how to start and and you know how to write a set and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And 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 it's just prevarication, you know. It's procrastination. It's stopping getting to the point. And the, and I always say to them, all you got to do is just do it. You can write, you can do it, yeah. book some gigs and do it. Yeah. Because that's you're gonna you know that you're gonna have three gigs. One of them will go badly. Yeah. One of them you'll lose your virginity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I'd never said that now. So, I always say that to them and it's always true. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, so it, 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 what I admire about you is you do, you really, you know, you, it, it seems so chaotic in a way what you're doing, but also so beautifully crafted, you know, and it's so imaginative. But you really think about stuff. And I, t- I listened to you talking to Stuart Goldsmith as I was driving here and you know you, you talked about just the how you walk onto stage and that's something you learned as you were doing this course you walked you learned about yeah. how the confidence how you you can tell from the way someone walks onto stage whether they're going to be good or not and i don't think i ever really i don't even write to this day i don't think i've really thought about it but you know i do know that and i think you're the same i my wife says actually lou sanders said that when i get on stage it's like an otter going into water you know like you sort of think before, you look at me, who's this fucking prick? <laughs> and then I come on stage and I'm sort of alive when yeah. I'm doing my stand-up especially and I'm sort of alive and I'm in that moment. Yeah. So I guess I've got the walk on, I know what it is and yeah. I've got the, because I've got the confidence because I love it so much. But that's so interesting. You know, it's re- that, probably that piece of advice, if you're a new stand-up, think about the way you walk on stage and, yeah. what, and, and what it communicates because it doesn't have to be, hey, I'm very confident. It can be the opposite of that but you have to think about what it says about you because you're... Exactly, and, yeah. And that's such a clever thing to have thought I early on, I, I think. I think I was lucky because you, you, you always... When I was doing stand-up, I'd always think, what's the first gag? Got to get the first gag right. Got to get it right. Got to get it right. It's been an absolute banger. But you've... you've they've, they've watched... And all, you guys are watching someone walk on stage. Yeah. And when I was doing the clown course, <clears throat> and you've got, like, say, 35 people in, in the room... You know, and, and they'll go, okay, I want you to walk on stage. And you'd have, I don't know, five people doing the, the, the bit and then 30 would be watching. And so you'd get a chance to watch five people walking on stage and you start to go, oh, hello. Someone walks on, he thinks he, he looks like a bit like a swan. You know, or, oh, she looks like she's in charge of things or yeah. he, he thinks he's a dancer. And, there's, and so if you were doing a comedy night, you might be looking at your notes and working out. You might watch one person go on. But in a room of 35 people, when you're working for a whole day, you'll see like, I don't know, 150 entrances yeah. in a day. And I realised there was something magic in that because the magic is, I think in the audience's head, it's not in ours at that moment. Yeah. And so as a result, and that's how those little things start to get start to build up because I was walk- about to walk on stage when I was uh, when I really early on when I was starting to do the clowny stuff and I was looking in the mirror and I looked so I was like this you don't look funny enough mate not funny enough I'm not laughing at you and then I 
So I, I put a pair of tights on, you know, so you could see my winkle and stuff. And I was like, it's still not funny enough. And then and there was an evening standard and I rolled it up and made it into a sausage and I stuck it in my, uh, in my shoulders. And I thought, that's getting there. And I combed the hair down, as I had the, uh, uh, longish hair at the time, and then there was some scissors. And I went, yeah. I just chopped the hardest fringe. And I looked in the mirror and said, yeah, he, he'll, he'll do. <laughs> and, then, and then you kind of realise when you walk on stage, people go, oh, my God, what's this? <laughs> what the fuck is this? And so originally I used to, I used to say, what is he? I pretend that that's you know, that what the audience were thinking. You just build from there, little bit build from there. And as long as, you, as long as you're being nice to the audience and they're having a nice time, that was, that was enough for me at the start, you know, and, yeah. and doing that. And it just builds, you know, you go, I've got a five, now you've got to do a ten, <laughs> now you've got a fifteen minute. Um, yeah, it's weird how it's turned out. I came to London to become an actor. <laughs> yeah. Well, which is... Happened, which I've, luckily, which I've is, done a bit of it, yeah. Which has happened. So, it's, it's yeah. really, you know, it's interesting that it works that way. But, you know, you're, a very, you know, you're extremely successful with this character. Not only have you had, you know, TV series with him, they're, they are brilliant. I and mean, we did, we talked about this last time you were on, but they're, they're short shows that yeah. I'm presuming... There aren't going to be any more because it was a little while ago, but maybe there are going to be no, more. No, I, I, I didn't want to do any more. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, <laughs> I thought that's enough. It's just too hard. It is, well, look, it is, you know, you use up so much material, but I, if, they must be on iPlayer or they're on YouTube or something. Yeah. Go and check them out because they're, they're just so solidly invented Bless and you. fantastic. Thank you, mate. But, you know, you've, you've been nominated for comedy awards and won some, you won the Barry Award in... In Australia, right? Which is no, comedian, no, no. I won a comedian's comedian award in, in in England. Yeah, I was in England, but they used yeah. to call it the Barry Awards to make it sound like it was the one, the big one from Australia. <laughs> yeah. My mum doesn't care either way. No, it was still good. It's you know, but that's it's it, you know to take something that you're doing and it's you know it's unlike anything else, and to win, and to get nominated for awards is fantastic. So you know, and to get TV shows. And yeah. it, I, I really like you know the, it doesn't you don't it's not contrived and you're not contrived and you haven't sat down at any point and gone. How can I get on? You know, like you, again, this is something I was listening to you talk about on another podcast. But you, um, you did a, your first show was a show called Big Babies. For, it was the kids, yeah. Show. And the way that came about, that is, was mental. But as it's well. incredible. That's the kind of thing that just doesn't happen. Tell us that. Tell us how that came about because this doesn't happen. Right. So me and my friend were making short films together. I was learning how to become an actor. In, you know, and he was learning how to become a director. We made like a couple of little shorts, and one of these shorts we made was two babies. We filmed two babies on a sofa. We there for like a, a bit of time, and then we basically put together and basically stuck our heads on them, our, our heads on the babies. Um, with film t- tricks, with film tricks, know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, people were very worried. The yeah, 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 people yeah. going, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then in the Wicker Man, and then. <laughs> Um, and um, so we did this, and it was the two babies. The, we we ended up having them sort of moaning about kids' TV. I don't want it to be educational. I want to have a laugh, you know, all that kind of thing. <laughs> Basically, slagged off a load of BBC shows, and put that on a, a compilation tape of other stuff we'd done. And it ended up getting played in Children's at the BBC. Okay. And then they called us in, and they said, "Do you want to do three short ones? We've got this much money." And we, me and my mate had been grafting for free for a couple of years and we were done with doing stuff for free. And I went, it's not, they didn't have enough money for the time it would take. And I said, no, we're not going to do it. Right. I, which was ballsy and maybe <laughs> stupid. But then they went, all right, then go on then, we'll give you a pilot. <laughs> and we'll do a pilot. And then you're like, oh, ah, okay, we're going to write something. And then suddenly you're a writer. 
And yeah. the, even, the, even the people that were making the show, the producers and stuff, were saying, we'll get proper writers in. And we went, no, we're going to do it ourselves. And then they set us a ridiculous deadline we were never going to hit. So we went, right, we're just going to get up at four in the morning. <laughs> and we wrote it, and we'd write from, you know, four or five in the morning until six or seven at night. And we got it done, and we did it, and put a couple of mates in it. And it was difficult, really difficult show. Like, you kind of film the babies in situ, you know, in a pram or on a swing. You'd have a kind of, uh, a, what we call a scratch track with an audio track to sort of m you know, mimic what the babies are doing and get the story through. And then, once you've got that, you then, there's me, you know, with, in a neck brace, <laughs> surrounded by green screen, looking at a screen of a baby that's falling over, but then trying to remember the lines. It was a really, really weird show right. to make. Yeah, yeah. But, um... It did all right and stuff. and but Nominated for a BAFTA. Nominated for a BAFTA. And then no one wanted to touch me for two years. <laughs> but it's sort of, you know, A, like to do that, to be, you know, to, for them to find it and then go, not go, oh, he's been rude about our TV shows, to like it, to call you in. You know, it's just, it's it was sort brilliant. of like a fairy tale. It stuff, was. It? It, you, you're right, it is. And those are the moments where, yeah. where it is luck. It is luck. Anne Gilchrist, I think she was just leaving as the kids commissioner and I think she had a bit of money left right. and, and went for it. Yeah. So thank you to Anne. Which is a very, you know, is an amazing detail as well because like when, when heads of uh, channels or departments leave, yeah. anything that's on the roster will, is scrapped. Oh, yeah. right? if you, I've, so many times I've written scripts and I've taken too long and then the person who commissioned it has moved on and the next person doesn't want to touch it. Yeah. And so for them to go, oh, I've got some money in the budget left and we have to spend it. Here you are. Yeah, I'm yeah. fucking off it's now. Incredible. It's yeah. absolutely, <laughs> it's absolutely the other way around. That yeah. just never happens either. Yeah. But it, you know, but I think it's sort of, you know, that it's, it's tip, it sort of typifies what you do, which is do so, you work really, really hard and, and it's a bit kind of chaotic and it's a bit kind of, you know, it's a bit yeah. like, let's see what happens. Yeah. Cause your working process of coming up with, with the, the, the Herbert stuff is to, like, film yourself and have an object and see what you can do with it, right? So it's quite a complicated yeah. process. It's not just, it's not, you know, you've got to think about something for ages and mess around with it and see what comes up. Yeah. And, that, and that's why they're so, it's so surprising because it's, it's never the first, you know, it's not like picking up a traffic cone and going, oh, I'll drink yeah. it, I'll put it I'm on drinking, my head. it's on my head, yeah, yeah. it's my, yeah. You've got it at 14 minutes later, you've got to Yeah, you've got two on your legs <laughs> yeah. and, you're trying to, and you're looking at how to become a ballerina. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I used to do that a lot. I used to look at stuff in the mirror, you kind of work stuff out. Um, so my friend Lucy Hopkins, who's a brilliant clown, she said, I think it's that, do they call it morning pages? When yes. You, when you yeah. write. It's, the, it's kind of a visual version of that. Yeah. Have to do it, stay in character with the bowl, and you, you know, you do everything. And then within, after about 11 or 12 minutes, you go, Oh, that's funny, what's that? And you yeah. kind of nick those. But I used to do that a lot, but I don't do that as much now. Right. Um, I've kind of got the mirror and I kind of just do it live now. I, um, and obviously, I, I've, when I started, it was lots of props and it was all very visual. And I was quite sort of, because <laughs> I'd not written a script. And so I just go on and sort of, you know, give the impression I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> I remember this. Have you heard that thing about Tommy Cooper where he went on TV and they had, took him to a rehearsal and they said, can you just show us what you're going to do with your performance? And apparently, so the story goes, he walked around and went, well, I'm going to be here. Oh, I got and, he, and he did two words. He go, patter, uh, patter, 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 patter. And then he moved and it whoosh. Patter, 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 whoosh. And he did this for literally four minutes. Pat out, whoosh. And they said, what, the what, 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 sorry, what, what, what was that? The cameraman are like, what, what, what? and he said, well, when I say patter, that's when I'm talking. And when I say whoosh, that's when they laugh. <laughs> 
So I'd be there like, i book a gig and you'd like, you get there and you'd be like, I haven't written this yet, but you'd be like, oh, there's table, 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 you don't like table? No, don't like table. Yeah, it's a rubbish table, yeah. And you kind of just react to it and, and it grew from that. Yeah. And then because I wasn't saying anything, every now and again, and the things that started getting the good laugh, a big, bigger laugh is me going, like, dropping out of character for a second. You know, you've got like a mop and it's singing Motown. And then you go, I'm, I'm, th- I'm not now, but at the time, I'm 38. <laughs> Even that became a thing. I, I was obsessed that 38 was funny, yeah. saying 38. And as yeah, soon as I turned 39... As soon as I, 28, 28. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as I turned to 20 <laughs> and 39, I'm 39. It didn't work. Yeah. It's, it's weird, but next year I'm 48, so I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a good year. It's the eight. Four, I'm 48. <laughs> but, you know, that's how you... I mean, I, but I think, like, a lot of... Certainly now, I used to script everything when it was stand-up and yeah. like, really think about it. And again, I think that's... If you are thinking of being a stand-up, I think that's not a st- stupid thing to do, is, you know, to think, to learn something yeah. and know what oh, you yeah. do. But actually, you'd come up with... So, if you put yourself... I mean, this show is, is that. is just let's put ourselves in a situation and see how many laughs we yeah. can get or how, what we can say that's interesting and we're not planning anything. And if you put yourself in the situation, you'll find the jokes yeah. and you'll weirdly find better stuff than you would have done if... you know. So, and I would say this is, must be even more true for you because you're almost reacting off... The audience is feeding you with with the laughs, and you're and then you're responding to the laughs. Exactly, and yeah. Gr- growing with the laughs, and if if something's funny, you're moving. Yeah, direction. we're making the sauce <laughs> but, together, kind yeah, of thing. But you know, yeah. in the white, you know, there's so many, so many times I used to write a script, and now when I'm starting a new show, I just go on and talk about the stuff, and because of the pressure of thinking, well, I've got to make people laugh. You know, they haven't laughed for like ninety seconds now, and yeah. I'm thinking, I better think of something funny to do now. Yeah, yeah. Oh fuck, I haven't got anything. Yeah. Even no, that wasn't nothing, enough. No. So it's, but, but there we are. That was enough there. So few. <laughs> like they were like, come on, <laughs> keep going, Richard. <laughs> so you know, but you you get to you get to understand. But it's I love I love that kind of organic nature of your stuff. That it really feels yeah. Like a lot of it, you know, you would never. I was watching you. Was it? Is it you singing? Do you remember my mum? Is that the song? Yeah. That is. I know. You know, that... you would never sit down. Never. You know, no. there's no way you sat down and wrote that and think this will work. Start to finish. No. You went on stage and did, did all this shit, yeah. and then it became this. It's, well, and it's, yeah, it's amazing. Was, do you remember my mum? I was in. The, I've got this looper, and you've got these things, right? And they, they've got like five or four or five channels, so you can do 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 do, and that will keep going, and you can kind of build it up. And I've been at home, and I was over the top of this and this looper. I, I'd give myself a bad back. Um, just play it and everything was crap like I'm not a beatboxer I'll never be a beatboxer I won't be one of those people but I use the equipment they use and I know that I've got to try and do something again that's different because otherwise what's the point you know do something fresh and I was so cross after about four hours of messing around not getting anything it's because I wasn't messing around properly yeah I wasn't I was trying to mess around there's no point walking and there's a thing in a book, uh, a clown book, where there's no point walking and trying to slip on the banana skin. You just have to walk. The banana skin will sort it out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's the same with this. You know, yeah. let's go on stage. We talk. Hopefully, there'll be some banana skins that will make us laugh. I've lost my point now. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then I went. Oh. <sighs> Do you remember? And I can't remember how I didn't remember my mum. <laughs> just it just went. I just said, "Do you remember my mum?" I don't know. I looked into the windows. Do you remember my mum? <laughs> and you go, "Oh, hang on, mum, 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 mum." Do you remember my mum, mum? Yeah, I'll just say that over and over again. Yeah. And then obviously you start sort of messing around with it. You think, "Well, it's only going to last ten seconds." 
And then the idea of this mum that's racist, <laughs> has too much lipstick on and has blonde hair, and you kind of do those gears. It's become a thing. And people do come up and go to say to me, actually, do you remember, remember my mum? <laughs> or they'll come up and go, go, I like that song, Do You Know Who My Mum Is? <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to ask you. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question from Would You Rather, available in the foyer after the show, and I don't know what it's going to be. I haven't looked at this book since I wrote it. Uh, let's see. Oh, that one's for a kid. I'm not going to do that. Would you? Ra- would you rather be Britain's oldest hairdresser or Francis France's youngest shepherd? You have to choose. Well, well, Britain's oldest hairdresser or France's oldest. The youngest shepherd. You'd have to be French, I guess. So wouldn't you'd have to live in France for that. I get a chance to be young again. You get you'd be young though, but you'd have to look after a lot of sheep. But you could quit. You could quit that and come back, couldn't you? I don't. I think to stay young. Okay. You'd have to stay being a shepherd. Okay. The minute you stopped shepherding, you'd become your own age. <laughs> but uh, if you become the oldest hairdresser, you'd have to keep hairdressing, and then you could, I guess, escape. It's sort of like quantum leap. I guess. Yeah, I like it. Well, my mum was a hairdresser, and, right. and my sister's a hairdresser. Do you I'm from my a mum. Fa- uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know who my mum is? Uh, I reckon I go with a hairdresser. Yeah. Because I think it probably, if I've not done this job. Yeah. As a family business, there's three hairdressers in the family. You I might done. have ended up being a hairdresser. And he could do it and then become, you know, it's, you're never going to become France's youngest shepherd. No. no. There's just no chance. No. You're too old. You're nearly 48. I know one who's 46 and he's doing fine. <laughs> and he's really good yeah, at it. He's really good. So he's always going to be younger than you. Yeah. Uh, and I think shepherding, notoriously boring. Lonely. And, and it's lonely and boring and you would start making up wolves coming over there and the villagers would get upset oh, with you. yeah. You're young. You think that's funny? It would. It would be. A, it would be a terrible thing. Good book, isn't it? Uh, you, can, you can buy that. Give it out to people for Christmas. Yeah, Here's another book. I've got so many books. Spencer, it's I, I know. Tell us how many. Stupid ones. They're all available in the foyer. There's after the show. Uh, I'm going to ask you. To, I'm going to go for a crowd-pleasing early emergency question. These are the ones that I haven't asked so much uh, in recent years. Um, I don't think I've asked you this question. 
Uh, have you ever tried to suck your own cock? <laughs> Don't ask it, that question often now. I mean, we've. I want to say we've all tried, haven't we? All of us with the necessary equipment. Just, yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, I think where ladies may try is what well, I think it must, it must I be think, harder. I, I, so. I, think, <laughs> I think. I think that I when you know. hear about the idea of it, this is basically what happens. Everyone, when you're on your own, you go, oh, fuck. <laughs> For most of us. Yeah. You know, some of us. Yeah. Could get the tip in. So uh, it's. Um, <laughs> available in the foyer after the show. Would you. Um, <laughs> in case you forget that question, think, how, how will I start a conversation without a book to remind me? Um, I'm going to slightly change this question. If you had a, a finger that could travel through time. Yeah. Where, where, would you, where would you send that thing? Go forwards or backwards in time, just a finger. You can look through the hole and see what you're doing. You can just alter a few little things with your time finger, but I'd do a few oh, things. Oh, God. Oh, I don't know. I feel like... It's ba- oh, I'd, I'd, obviously, you could go back and sort out some of the horrible people. Yeah. That'd be good. Just by poking them, but yeah. that's about as far as it's Stop that. Go. Stop that now. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great if that was enough, wouldn't it? It would. If that was the tiny thing that was just missing from those you know, souls of history. Yeah, it might make them... If a finger appeared from nowhere and chided you... Yeah, it would. Yeah. That might give you the, oh, history's not going to judge me. <laughs> well, there's a wagging finger. Yeah, yeah in the mirror. There's, there's one in the away. Bible, apparently. Someone told me there is a, a finger that appears from nowhere in the, bar, in the Bible somewhere. I can't be bothered to read the whole Bible oh. to find out what happens. But I imagine that's, that imagine, might be one of my guests. Imagine going, it's from the book of Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, it's a good, who would you like to tell off most out of all the historic, historical bad guys? Oh God! I that, oh, I'm not. I don't know that much about them, but all, all all of the bad ones. My 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 maths teacher. Yeah. Yeah. All of them, to be honest. All yeah. of my maths teachers. Yeah. Um, Mister, I've forgotten his name now. Uh, Offcom School. Uh, he used to pick us up by. Uh, I was. It sounds like I went to a, like a posh school. But yeah. Back in the day, they could do stuff like this and get away with it. He used to pick me up. By my sideies, if I was naughty, Ooh. and then it, but the thing that he used to do was, you know, those old board rubbers, yeah, covered in chalk. He'd notice you were talking, you wouldn't notice that he was coming, and he'd have the board rubber, and then right at the last minute, he'd go across the top of your head, and then go butcher, and everyone would laugh, and you'd be sat there, and it was the eighties. So you'd, have, you'd be full of gel, cheap gel, from, and, and it would stick there. I mean, to be fair, that's a good bit. Yeah, I mean, it's you a could good nick bit. that. That's a very good bit. I'll give him His a little shouting bit. badger is fucking genius. It's very I, funny. I thought he was just going to chuck it at you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. It's decent, it's decent gear, yeah. It's amazing what teachers could get away with, and those yeah. are the good ones, comparatively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he, yeah. he couldn't drive his car home that night, though. Right. <laughs> No, I didn't. I waited until I was leaving the school and then I popped one of his tyres. Uh, did you? Yeah. I like, you know, you, this is the thing about you and you, you've self-confessed you're naughty, but people, there's something about you that just, I think, the, like you're talking about walking on, there's something about you that's instantaneously likeable. I can imagine you as a kid straight away. <laughs> and I can imagine you as being a naughty kid. Yeah. No, uh, uh, quite, yeah. A little yeah, bit, yeah, a little not, bit naughty. Not, not, no, well, not... Like, Letting someone's tyres down, or was it breaking? That, that was that I mean, was pretty bad. He was horrible to me. For, yeah. I, I hated maths, and I was quite my my mum and 
dad and they were they're all quite confrontational like i'm in therapy obviously and uh and yeah they're quite sort of confrontational like there's no there's no there's sometimes no logic they'll have a proper go yeah and i think that was probably a little bit of that my granddad used to have a brush a broom right with a hidden nail in it and if anyone parked outside his second hand shop <laughs> he'd pretend he was sweeping <laughs> and i think that's where i got the idea right but I wasn't walking around. I wasn't like a yob or anything. I was really... I wasn't. I was just... If, I'd have a go if someone had a go at me. But I was quite well behaved in school. I, I was probably an average guy, you know? Good enough to sort of, you know, not make the teachers worry, but bad enough to, you know, not get... Had a go at. But were you... Were you I mean, I imagine you being like a scatterbrain kind of dreamer and, and you know, and, yeah. and not paying... And, and therefore not paying attention, which I don't think is can be your fault that's the kind of person you are yeah. but i imagine you're sort of drifting off and having crazy ideas as a kid as well yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah there'd be all sorts yeah. yeah i mean yes pre pre uh pre pre gaming and all that kind of yeah thing. yeah yeah all sorts of stuff so but it's it's really interesting isn't it because that's you know that is who you are and and that's who you were going to become and so it's so much a part of you and like school would try and take that out yeah. of you yeah. and, but you you it, it didn't succeed thankfully it must again that it you think of all the comedians who never are, who could have been comedians, which I think is like a lot of people. Yeah. Most people are put off by the terror of doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. I know, but you're, you're, you do characters because you're, you're quite a shy person, I think, as yeah. well. Quite a nervous person. Yeah, yeah. You're nervous about coming and doing this. Absolutely and petrified and still. Petrified right now. <laughs> absolutely petrified. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yep. So there's no need to be nervous. And you know, you know, and you, and you as yourself is funny and interesting. I, I get it as well, because I would, I, I kind of thought, start, I didn't want to do stand-up when we first came to London and I did characters. Yeah. And, and then the minute we kind of were starting to do like sketches and stuff on the radio, I was going, right, no more, st- I don't want to do stand-up, I didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, and then I came back to it and did like it. But, but you know, it, it was that fear of being yourself on stage and just thinking I'm not, fu- I'm not funny enough to yeah, be I th- funny. I think I've, you've got a really, I think great stand-ups t- talk about themselves openly. Yeah. And I, I'm still... I'm, I mean, this, the most recent show I did at Edinburgh is much more honest and I do talk a bit more about me getting cross and turning into a miserable man sometimes and all those kind of things. And yeah. there, are, there, are, there is some stand-up in it. Yeah. But you'll still get someone at the end of it after doing a decent show, which has got visual gags. And they'll go, oh, come on, mate, put the eyes back in, will you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I put um, I use ping pong balls a lot um, in my eyes and have different sort of funny thighs. So there's, you do get that, um, but it's a constant evolution. Sometimes people go, "Oh, you, you know, you've stopped doing Herbert now. You know, you don't, you're not doing all the visual stuff as much." But I, who knows what it's going to be like, you know, next time? At the minute, it's quite, you know, um, about lockdown and then moving to Devon and not having any friends. Yeah, this is what, the same reason I'm here. <laughs> It's different. I don't think people, you know, I, I think like probably comedians don't talk about that enough. And, and, you know, comedians, it's a lot about bravado. It's a lot about, you know, oh, you know, yeah, I'm selling out everywhere I go. I think comedians don't talk enough about, they don't go, yeah, I went to the Northcote. I sold out slightly more than half the tickets. They were, they'll say, <laughs> they'll say, you know, I, I yeah, sold out, fantastic, yeah. took the roof off. But they also won't talk about the loneliness, especially once you get into touring your own show. Mm. Where you're not going on a, you know, that, I think that's what was nice about seeing you in Wales and, yeah. and, and all those comedians who were, it was a very nice group of comedians. There were no sex offenders there at all, uh, <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it was just lovely, but it's lovely to see other people. And yeah. I don't think comedians talk enough about how lonely it is. I remember once, when, when I was first touring on my own, I can't quite remember how this 
came about. But Ian Cognito, who uh, sadly passed on, and there was a fantastic documentary and film about him. He was an amazing, like, crazy comedian yeah. uh, and a slightly crazy guy. But I ended up, I think it was, maybe it was Twitter, maybe Twitter just started, or I just was texting people, and I was like, sitting in a, a hotel on my own in the bar, you know, with a glass of wine. Yeah. Just feeling like, I've, you know, I've done What's this great that? show and now, now I feel so alone. And Ian Canito was just texting me or something and was really nice about it, saying, yeah, this is normal, this is how it is for everyone. Yeah. And I don't think we, we talk about it. You know, Ian Canito is the last person I would have expected yeah, to yeah, yeah. open up and go, don't worry, it's yeah. fine, everyone's like this. But it is, it's, it's a weirdly lonely profession. And I think, yeah, when you, when you, and you, you know, when you're creating stuff at home in the way that you do, it's, you know, and you're, and you're working mainly on your own now, I guess, as, when you create Well, I have been, yeah, but I'm opening up to other things now. So yeah. I've started having chats and... Great. Um, and I'm good, I've got, there's a few things in the pipeline which might, you know, might come to something, might yeah. not. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, Ruth says, Ruth, from a missus, she's like, you need to work with other people. She doesn't, she doesn't speak like that. I don't know why. <laughs> Pam Ayres, isn't it? Yeah. You need to get around. Yeah. No, I'm, I want to collaborate more. I think um, I've, when Sonny was born, my first kid was born, I, I realised, this is you now, mate. You've got a... And I went a bit lone wolf. Yeah. As in, I can't... I, I need to do this. And, and, and I, you know, stopped working with certain people and, and cracked on and did my own thing. I was yeah. like, I need to focus now. Also, because I was in a sketch troupe and we had to p- split the money four ways. Yeah. So I, like, that was another thing, you know. But, th- but, um, but now, you know, coming here, lockdown again, I keep saying about it, but it did mess me up. Even, I wasn't, wasn't great before. Um, uh, made me funnier, though, being slightly crazy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it swings around about. Um, and, uh, and now I'm looking forward to working with other people. It's a bit yeah. scary getting into, you know, into bed with someone else, you know, saying, I've got this idea, what do you think? Not saying the idea, but giving the idea away because once you're talking about it with someone that idea now is 50 50 you know and moving forward you might have ruined a good idea so i've been like that a lot i think recently going and no, i'm going to keep that for myself that's <laughs> that song i'm going to do that on my own or this character I'll do it on my own but now I, i've had some good chats from people recently so good hopefully i can uh, yeah good yeah it's you know it's interesting I'm, I'm you know i i kind of liked lockdown to an extent apart from <clears throat> having cancer during it uh but i like being at uh, i like being at home it's all in the book you can buy it in the foyer after the show uh <laughs> let's monetize this bollock um <laughs> Uh, but you know, I like being I like being at home, and you know, and I liked being with the family, and it was great. And my kids are young, and it was a really good time to be with back at home with them. Yeah. But like having come out and started doing stand up again and touring again, I kind of realised how you know it is that same thing. It's that otter in the water. It's kind of realising this is where you know, as much as I'm that guy and I'm alive yeah. in that situation, I love it. I also need this side of stuff or you do start going a bit nuts and a bit you know yeah, katie used to say my wife katie used to say you know if i hadn't done any stand up for a couple of months i started going up the wall a bit um yeah. and it, that didn't happen so much during lockdown because i guess we were all up the wall anyway and there was some other stuff on our minds yeah but yeah it is it is uh, it is interesting but i think you know i, I hope comedians will communicate it feels like we're moving into an era where comedy is becoming hopefully a bit nicer after maybe not having been so nice for a while yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's happened this this uh, century, really, as well. I mean, like you say, like when I started, if you were going to try and do your kind of stuff, there wouldn't have been a club for you to do that. It was loads of white men doing yeah, standing yeah. up, and it would have been. Do you reckon I would have done ten years before in the eighties? You'd have worked. Really? Nineties? I think the nineties. There would have been, you'd have been all right, but it would have been oh, difficult. Yeah, suppose, but yeah. now there's loads. There are those weird clubs. 
um, that you can. But you know that I felt that I fit it's so that true. I fitted in better with. It's yeah, like you know, yeah, where yeah. you can do stuff that isn't. Yeah. You know, I didn't. I didn't like that, any of that stuff. That's why I didn't like stand up because I didn't want to be like the a guy doing you know those jokes. I wanted to be this slightly off something else. Yeah. yeah, I remember the, that first gig when I said you know when I said about cutting my hair and sticking the rolled up newspaper and putting the tights on. I, I was watching it and I hadn't been on yet, and this guy comes on. It's very strict. You can you only got four minutes each. And this guy comes on. It doesn't come on yet. He's dressed himself as a mountain. It's a piece of work. It's, it's, it's the biggest piece of paper mache I've ever seen. It took him two minutes to get onto the stage. <laughs> and by the time he got there, he kind of went, because ah. it was so funny watching him trying to get through people. And then he turned around and came back off. And I remember thinking, I I'm with the right people here. <laughs> And just because I said I'd mention, we're going to have to go in a second because we've done this, this hour, as I told you, has flown by ridiculously quickly. Um, Upstart Crow, which you're fantastic in. It must yep. be amazing to be, you know, working on a Ben Elton thing. Yeah. Um, but equally, you're playing this character that is, you know, very much... Absolutely Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. It was called Gervais up until two days before they filmed. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then they said, <clears throat> we're going to change the name. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, hang on, what? Really? I was, yeah, I was, I was, and they persuaded me to do it. Right. Um, and I did it as Ricky Gervais, yeah. And uh, has there been, I, I just wondered whether he has ever said anything. Has he ever um, commented about it to you? No, 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 not to me, no, no. No, no I, um, I, yeah, I, 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 he's such a huge star and stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm sure he gets people doing impressions of him all the time. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know about that whole thing. It was, it, it, it was amazing. I mean, the, the people on it were amazing. The scripts were amazing. I'm still good mates with Rob Rouse and, yeah, and Dominic yeah. Coleman. Um, good pals of mine. And uh, it, was, it was, again, it's surreal. You know, Harry Enfield. You know, I'm, I'm walking around, you know, CDT, you know, at, at school going, I can't believe you, I don't believe you don't want to do that. You know, crying with laughter. And, and then he's there. And then there's all these other people, but... I mean, it was kind of weird. You kind of turn up and do an impression of Ricky Gervais and, yeah. everyone, and everyone's fine with it. <laughs> and the producer made it sound like it was nicer than, than it was. What do you mean? Well, it's the producer. I, I read the producer saying, oh, this is sort of a tribute to the fact that there's always someone who comes in each generation who's a bit, <laughs> a bit, a bit, a bit in his own way yeah, and is yeah. a bit out of kilter, but is leading the way going, no, just Ben Elton doesn't like Ricky Gervais. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. I'm yeah. sure you love him. I'm sure there's so, yeah. there's so much to love. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, it's... Um, uh, sadly, he isn't a sex criminal, so he's still, his career is still going to go on. Uh, very sad. Very sad news. Um, <laughs> I mean, can you be sued for saying that? Do you think can Ricky Gervais go, how dare you say I wasn't a sex criminal? <laughs> what a way to end. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the amazing Spencer Jones. Thank you very much. Come back next week. We'll have a lovely time. Thank you. Go and grab a programme if you want one from the foyer. You have been listening to Rahulastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Spencer Jones. Thank you to Scamp Regard for this beautiful music. I'm indebted to my director and producer and friend, Chris Evans. Not that one, Ben Evans is also an excellent chap who sprung from Chris's loins, with some help, I believe. Uh, thank you also to Bex Cliff, uh, George Lingford, <laughs> the incompetent sound man. Did it? He had a cracker today. 
Uh, <laughs> and thank you to everyone at the Northcote Theatre in Exeter, which is a beautiful place. Thank you to the people of Exeter for existing. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoBustlerStripe.com production! Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out. <laughs>